Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 143 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary, and it is Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving. Can't even believe it. Happy Thanksgiving, Mary. Happy Thanksgiving, Jamie. Happy Thanksgiving, Don. I feel the love coming through the microphone, even though he's not saying anything. Thanks for answering, Don. You're welcome, ladies. Happy happy Thanksgiving, Mary. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How is Don it? Is upset. I I just have to tell everyone. Don is upset because um, Jamie was trying to take over his job just a minute ago. I did the countdown. She did the countdown, and yeah. So now Don thinks we don't need him. I'm I'm at my core. I know Don still wishes me a happy Thanksgiving as much as he wishes Mary one, even if he doesn't say it. So he happy does. Thanksgiving, Don. So are you staying home? Because I'm staying home. <laughs> Let's talk about the happy stuff. But we can't go anywhere. Yeah, I'm staying home. <laughs> but you know what I'm doing for the first time? I'm cooking a turkey. Oh my gosh! I so I was gonna say for the first time I'm ordering food. <laughs> I've never made a turkey before. I've cooked all the sides, but we almost always go to a family member's house. So this yeah. is the first year that we're gonna stay home. We're doing our part. We're not gonna travel for the for the for the holidays. Try to keep our numbers down. And so right now I have an 18 pound, because that's the smallest turkey we could get, turkey Uh sitting in my refrigerator in a big container brining. And my little one is gutted over the turkey. (laughs) He's like, I'm never going into the refrigerator again. I don't want to look inside the turkey. I'm so upset. And then we went down a rabbit hole of like, how do you get a dead turkey? (laughs) And I was just like, oh. Yeah. This is why we go to other people's houses. <laughs> yes. It is. It is. Um, what do I want to say? Do I want to say amazing? It's a very strange experience when your kids like realize and start asking questions about these things. Yeah. 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 It's not fun. No. Yeah. No, it's not. So that wasn't enjoyable. And plus raw turkey. So gross. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, I don't blame him. We actually had it facing out. So like you could see the inside. We had to turn it. So now when you open it, it's like turkey butt that's in your face. Oh my gosh. It's an experience. But I don't know. I'm kind of excited to try making a turkey. So I feel good about that. Yeah. I've made all the other things and I'm doing very traditional like mashed potatoes and gravy and cornbread and very nice. Brussels sprouts and all the good things. I'm going to, I'm not going to do pumpkin pie though. We're doing pumpkin chocolate chip cookies. Oh, that sounds good. I don't really care for pumpkin pie. Yeah. <gasps> I love pumpkin pie. I, I ordered, um, I ordered cookies from sugar suckle. Oh, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Where'd you order I, I mean, from? I, I ordered them. I got chocolate chip. She had two kinds. She had like sets of chocolate chip or assorted. And I got one set of each. This was when I thought maybe we would even see my parents or something. I'm like, I'll bring some, some really good cookies, you know, but yeah, now we're not going anywhere. So I will be eating all the cookies myself. Yeah, you will. And as you should. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree with that. Yeah. So I think that will be fun. And we do have um, one or two families that are in our quarantine bubble. I still love that word. So we will get to see them because we do have a tiny bubble to keep our sanity locally. Yeah. Our bubble family moved. Did we talk about that? Not on air, but you told me separately. Yeah. I'm still devastated. So we're going to try and focus on all the good stuff. Like we're all healthy and we're all together and our town is still very cool and has good cookies. So we'll do that. Look at this. Yeah. I know. It's we just really, stay positive, Jamie. I'm trying. People are surprised. I know, right? Look at that. I'm Our like, let's focus are on. Surprised. I'm looking at my kids. I'm like, we will talk about what we are grateful for. <laughs> <laughs> They're complaining. I'm like, be grateful. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This week we have a good topic, yeah. though. We're not just talking about Thanksgiving. No, we're not. I like this it's, topic. We're talking about a very important topic. It is. One yeah. that everybody, you either love this topic or it makes you want to cry. Yes. I agree with that. So this week we're we'll talking. To find out which one everyone is. That is so true. All right. That might yeah. be our poll in, in our Facebook yeah. group is, do you love this topic or does it make you want to cry? So our yes. topic this week is sales, which, oh my gosh. I personally do not mind sales. I actually really like sales, especially when I don't frame it as sales anymore, <laughs> but just talking mm-hmm. to people. Um, and that certainly makes it feel a lot less like salesy, I guess. But our guest is uh, really interesting because she really, we focused on virtual sales, um, particularly for those of us who may have had to pivot from our normal in-person sales into selling virtually. And so she gives some really incredible tips. So I am very excited for this one. Yeah, I think this is great because most people, yeah, we're home, we're not going to events, but you know, we want to keep our businesses running. So how can you do that effectively? And especially for people that, you know, sales makes them want to, what did we say? One wants to make them cry or yeah. cringe, whatever it <laughs> Any of the above. makes you want to curl up, hide in the corner, whatever it is. Um, it's helpful to, to hear tips that can really be like broken down and practical and like, and why you shouldn't be afraid of it. Yeah. She gives some good ideas. Exactly. <laughs> Fearless. She gives some really good actionable tips. So I was very happy that we were able to sort of break down some of the common mistakes that people make in virtual sales um, and how to fix them. So I think it'll be really helpful. So let me introduce our guest. Founder of Horseshoe and Company, a platinum HubSpot solutions partner, inbound marketing extraordinaire, entrepreneur, speaker, compassionate country gal, and mother, Andrea Moxham's life embodies that quote. Determined to live life by her own design, she launched Horseshoe and Co. on a mission to guide businesses to greatness with the power of HubSpot. From her keen eye for analytics to her fuss-free marketing solutions, clients praise Andrea's multifaceted capabilities and confident execution. Offering functional strategies and customized deliverability, she makes inbound marketing a breeze. Guided by a fearless woohoo and future-focused approach, she's willing to break the mold to get results. Devoted to her client's success, Andrea is ready to tackle HubSpot projects of all kinds, including marketing automation, workflows, templates, emails, live chat configurations, HubSpot COS design, and more. As a Canadian HubSpot partner, Horseshoe & Company harnesses Andrea's exceptional marketing expertise and business building know-how. And now on to the interview. I am very excited to announce the launch of the Unbusiness School, Hashtag Legal's new course offerings. 
In our first round of classes, we've created a series of mini classes on the following topics, business formation, contracts, trademark, copyright, and terms and conditions and privacy. Whether you are a designer, developer, creator, or you own your own brick and mortar business, we will be breaking down the topics you need to know that can confuse many business owners. We've capped all videos at 20 minutes to make sure we get the most important subjects without all of the unnecessary legal jargon. You can choose the mini class you want, or you can buy a bundle and make a masterclass. We are here to provide you confidence to make decisions about your business. You no longer have to fear the legal side of your business because you'll be empowered to make decisions and will know when you need to ask for help. For more information, go to school.hashtag-legal.com backslash the unbusiness school. Today, I am joined by Andrea Moxham of Horseshoe & Co. to talk all about sales. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. So this was really fun because we connected through Inbound, which was uh, a conference that I recently spoke at. um, And I believe you, I think you found me there. Um, And when you emailed me wanting to talk about sales on the podcast, I was like, yes, I could not be more excited. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background and your company. Professionally, I am the founder of Horseshoe & Co. And we are HubSpot consultants. We're a small team. So what we do is help businesses really get the most from the HubSpot platform by aligning their sales and marketing teams and strategies and really optimize their investment. And I think that's how ultimately how we got connected inbound is HubSpot's annual conference. And I, yeah, I was browsing around and came across your podcast and kind of just binge listened to a bunch of episodes. So that's how I found you. Yeah, that's me professionally. Personally, I am a wife and mom to a two-year-old girl and we live in Ontario, Canada on a little hobby farm. So I run the business out of my house. My clients would have no idea that I'm, you know, surrounded by like cornfields and cows and things like that. That's amazing. That is very different than what I am surrounded by, which is concrete and steel and bricks. <laughs> so I feel like we're sitting in two very different spots, but your sounds kind of nice. <laughs> it is nice. Sometimes, you know, I I may have a different perspective when I need to run out and grab something and it takes me, you know, an hour (laughs) there and back. Uh, I mean, round trip, but yeah, it is really peaceful and quiet. That's lovely. So how did you get into working with HubSpot and creating this company? About six years ago, I started working for another HubSpot agency. So they basically focused 100% on that platform. So I kind of was forced to learn how to use it. And I really just fell in love with it. It became the tool of choice that I used there. And then once I recognized the opportunity to start my own business, I just continued using it. And as the platform evolves and grows and improves year after year, I just find myself being more and more committed to it to the point where it's really become my my niche, my niche. Um, a lot of people will focus on an industry or like a particular job role or a particular uh, an area of focus. And this has really just become mine. Um, HubSpot's been a great platform and team to work with. So I, I love it. It's, it's just naturally occurred that way. 
Very cool. Now we're, we're not just going to focus on HubSpot. I really do. We plan to talk about sales, but before we dive into um, some of the sales specific questions, there may be listeners who have heard of HubSpot, don't know what it is, why they would use it. So maybe you could just give a brief rundown on what it is um, and who the typical client is that would use HubSpot. Sure. And I think it's it, it continues to evolve in that sense as well. HubSpot was primarily started as a CRM, so kind of a way for businesses to keep track of their leads and the conversations that were happening with them and really nurture those relationships. And it evolved into much more than that, a marketing platform and now a customer service platform. So really, now it's a tool that brings those three pillars together under one roof to have everyone kind of collaborating. So in terms of marketing, you know, you do your email marketing and social media and blogging through HubSpot on the customer service side, you're creating and closing customer support tickets. Um, And on the sales side, you're doing a lot of that nurturing and, you know, maintaining relationships with with key leads. I, I would say that HubSpot is sort of built to gear towards B2B companies. But not exclusively. We definitely work with a couple of like e-commerce clients that sell directly to consumers where um, HubSpot is still building out, I would say, that kind of functionality. So I know that in the next couple of years, they're going to be building out even more function for like enterprise B2B businesses. But it's not to say that they're neglecting the other spaces either. So basically, it does everything for everyone. (laughs) Very cool. So let's talk about sales. Um, I really want to focus on the CRM side of things, not necessarily like managing a CRM, but actually the sales process. I think that feels like often for entrepreneurs who sales don't come naturally to, they either run away from it (laughs) or, um, or they just sort of do it as little as possible just to kind of get by. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making during the sales process? Oh, geez. If I had to choose a few, I would say the biggest mistake I see is not personalizing those sales touch points. I see a lot of businesses that use kind of generic outreach and templates, um, and maybe they use personalization to some degree, which has become a bit of a buzzword in that, you know, marketing tools will allow you to quote unquote personalize your messaging by plugging in like a token that replaces their first name or their company name um, or the city that they live in. But that's really not personalizing your outreach. You're kind of just still communicating that same message, but throwing in a couple of recognizable tokens. So I would say using the same kind of template and approach regardless of who you're talking to is the biggest mistake. And I think the second is selling too early. I don't know if you've encountered this problem, but I'm bombarded with like, I'd say five to 10 LinkedIn messages or LinkedIn invites every day. And they all have this very generic template of who they are and why they want to connect to sell their product or service to me. And it's just, it irks me because that's another mistake I see used widely in sales is pitching too early and not seeking to help the person on the other end and putting their needs over your your product. And if I had to choose a third, which I think 
they all kind of tie in together is once it does get to that point in the conversation where the person on the other end is ready to hear about um, what solution you have to offer, it's focusing on the features of your product or service over the benefits. This is also something that drives me nuts. Um, And this is used not only in sales, but marketing too. You know, you look at websites and it's all about comparing features and what the product does or can do but really users don't care about that they care about what it's going to do for them what change it's going to make in their lives how it's going to improve their productivity or save them money that's the kind of thing that they're looking for and that's just something that salespeople aren't doing they're communicating um, you know our product does this or we can do this it's very very we focused so I think those are the the three biggest mistakes that I see being made regardless in the sales sales world. This is so helpful. This actually, I have questions about each and I sort of want to talk about each, I, but I love this because this actually touches on a pitch I got on LinkedIn yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> you hit such a nerve point for me too. It is so frustrating. It just, it actually feels offensive <laughs> when you exactly get pitched cold on LinkedIn with literally, hey, let's connect. Can you buy this for me? And you're like, what? <laughs> Did you even right. look at me? Right. Um, like, who is this working for? <laughs> yeah, I want to wonder. I wonder that. I actually said that. I actually sent the pitch to Don, my producer, because it related to a podcast. And I was like, look at this. And one of the things I said to him over the, the text was like, who's buying this? <laughs> it's crazy. But I feel like if someone put that much energy into it, someone out there must be, but it must be an, a volume thing. But I want to go back to personalizing the sales touch. What are some tips you can give to help businesses who are doing either cold or warm outreach, some more personalization into those um, introductory emails or calls? Definitely. I think, unfortunately, it's not an easy solution. There's no easy button. There's really, at least not yet, a tool that's going to do it for you. It takes research. So I would say step one is finding a real individual. Um, So this is obviously primarily for B2B companies, companies that are selling to companies. Avoid, you know, looking for like a generic info at email address and find a real person and then do your research on that person. Um, look them up on LinkedIn, see what kinds of activity they've been posting about, see what kinds of content they've been sharing. Uh, look them up on Instagram, see what what they're sharing over there. It takes a little degree of being creepy, I think, um, but you need to find those little like nuggets of information that you would only find by doing your research because that's what people are going to appreciate. They don't appreciate a very generic, I found you on LinkedIn and your job title matches what typical customers um, have as a job title. So you must be a good fit. So finding those little pieces of information that can initiate your conversation in a super genuine way. So, you know, if, for example, you are, you sell to HR managers and you find a perfect candidate at a company that you would typically sell your product or service to find them on on Instagram. And, you know, there's such a blurred line, I think, between selling to people and selling to businesses, because ultimately you're still selling to a person and you're still creating that relationship. That's a one-to-one connection. You're not selling to a company. So finding ways to initiate that conversation and that connection 
based on, you know, maybe they're new to the company, or maybe you can see that they just moved to a new town, or maybe they just got featured at, um, you know, speaking at some sort of event, find things that show that you've done your research and personalize whatever channel it is that you're reaching that person on with those pieces of information. That's so helpful. One other added piece of advice is make sure your information is correct because <laughs> I've gotten a number of quote personalized pitches where it was just wrong. So <laughs> double check yep. what you're writing, but that is great advice. I, I am a huge fan of research. Um, and I think this applies um, even if you're not like reaching into a large corporation, but I know in my business at hashtag legal, I am all B2B because I represent almost all businesses. Um, but oftentimes my businesses may be one or two people. Um, and so while I may represent that business, I'm I'm dealing with a person who feels so strongly about their business and what they do. It can be really emotional. So um, I like the idea of one-on-one -on -one connection, no matter how large or small the client is that you're trying to connect with. Exactly. So selling too early, <laughs> I like this one. Um, sometimes I feel like people sell too late, they sell too early, they're not sure when. Is there any guidance um, you can provide for when is the right time to start to approach that actual sales process? Yeah, I think it's very dependent on what you're selling and how the conversation is initiated. I think like being in a verbal conversation face to face with someone, you don't need that cue. You just kind of you recognize how the conversation is going, but it's a little bit trickier when things are happening, you know, not in real time, if it's back and forth via email, I would say the first cue that you need to look for is when either you've helped the person on the other end, or they've actively identified the problem selling before they've done that, I think is just a super red flag that the the conversation is not going to go well, you know, you need to help that person recognize that they actually are facing a challenge before you can introduce a solution. And I think that's why things like LinkedIn, um, those spammy messages don't work it, unless you've expressed that you, you have this problem. Um, you're not ready to hear about a solution. So I would say that's the first and probably the only cue that you can use as a rule. Um, otherwise, I think you just need to be I guess, mindful of how the conversation is progressing afterwards. You know, if they say, well, I have this problem and, you know, something as blunt as like, but we're not looking for a solution until January, you know, now is not the time to say, I'd like to introduce you to. So I think, yeah, the only cue that you can really look for is once they've actively communicated that problem or challenge that they're facing, or you've helped them get there and they've recognized that by saying, yes, that's, that's definitely a problem or that's something I'm struggling with. But even in that case, and I, I definitely, everything you're saying, I think makes so much sense, but if they do give you the cue that we're not looking till January, I mean, that's a great time to make a note of that, to stay in touch, completely not selling, um, and then follow back up with them saying, Hey, I remember from our conversation, it's now January. <laughs> Are you guys potentially yeah. looking for that solution still? Um, Maybe and then a, you'll a better example I should have used was, uh, something like, Yes, we have that problem. Unfortunately, we we purchased a solution yesterday. Something uh, like that that kind yes. of closes off that conversation would be a, a negative cue to not not sell or or maybe pivot your your approach to say like, 
well, our solution is potentially better, <laughs> but it's, it's not an opportunity, I think, to do your like usual sales spiel. And that's also, I find that, you know, in use of a, obviously, a, you know, with HubSpot, you can utilizing the CRM and keeping good notes of that does help you with those longer sales cycles too, though. I assume that's one way people will use a CRM in a sales cycle is having those trigger points. Um, even if you think, let me follow up with them in six months and see if that solution they bought is still working for them. Yeah, exactly. And parts of that can even be automated to some degree using HubSpot. And again, I don't want to get into like a HubSpot sales <laughs> feel, but um, yeah, tools like that support you through that sales cycle. So if you identify, um, you know, it's time to follow up in six months or whatever, you can create tasks and like nurturing to stay in touch with that person until then. That's why CRMs are a good idea <laughs> for sure. So, you know, we talked a lot about the sales process. We've talked about, you know, phone, email at one time before the pandemic, we could go in person. What kind of advice do you have for someone who was very used to having an in-person or more high touch sales process that's now having to sort of shift to a completely virtual sales process? Mm, yes. Um, I think the tactic that's definitely been working internally for us and for clients, and I have even been approached with similar tactics is using video, but in a super personalized way. So um, sitting down in front of the camera, usually something really raw, organic, not edited, there's no words over the, uh, the video. Um, we use a tool called Loom. So you sit down, you maybe have the prospect's website in the background or something that's going to catch their eye in terms of um, a thumbnail. Because, you know, if they don't recognize you, they don't know what you look like. If the thumbnail of the video is just your face, they're going to be like, I don't know what this is. Maybe it's spam. Maybe I shouldn't open it. Um, but using something recognizable in your video is is helpful because now all of a sudden they're not scanning your initial email for just like words even the name of the company is probably something ignorable but um seeing something with like your face and their website in the background now is like hey did they sit down and record this just for me um and then using that video as an opportunity to verbal like to to share that research that we talked about that you should be doing uh, in a video instead of in an email. This has been a really cool tactic to try out. And the response on the other end, at least internally and for our clients, has been really, really positive. I actually had a woman reach out who I we had done a video for to say, you know, nice to meet you, have a couple of marketing tips for you. And she said, now is not a great fit, but I actually want to use this approach that you've used uh, with us in one of our blogs. So she asked if it was okay to use the video in some of her content. So it's interesting to hear how it's kind of making its way through the sales and marketing world. But yeah, I, I think it's a new way to establish that connection without obviously getting to meet face to face. Um, and it, it's catching people off guard, I would say that aren't familiar with this. They're like, whoa, this is really cool. So yeah, it's, it's, doing your research and finding those points, but rather than just plugging them into an email, which is probably going to hit the the trash bin, filming like a face to face to camera 
uh, video and sharing that in just a really raw, unedited manner is is a really cool tactic that we've been exploring. That's such a great tip. Loom is very easy to use too. I've used it before. Um, sometimes if a client has a question and can't get on a call, it's sometimes easier to just record a Loom really quick. So um, they're great. And I could definitely see that being something that would certainly catch my eye if somebody was sending me <laughs> a sales pitch. I'd exactly. be interested yeah. in watching a video um, over, the like nice you said. Thing. Yeah. It makes the you nice feel special. Sorry. The nice thing about Loom is um, that when you copy the video into an email, it generates a nice little thumbnail for you. So that's why I think it's it's helpful to have something recognizable um, either on in the background of your video. You can either do like a face to camera with your screen in the background. Um, maybe you pull up their website or if you're selling directly to a person, you've got their Instagram account in the background, something, you know, that they immediately can relate to. Those are awesome tips. And I guess my last question is once you get somebody's attention um, and you're ready to start those conversations, do you tend to favor phone, email, Skype, Zoom? I mean, you name it. There's all kinds of options. What do you think is most effective for the sales process? You know, what's funny is I think in a time like this where we're going through a pandemic and meeting face-to-face isn't an option, we're forced to recognize that you need to be flexible with the types of ways that you want to connect with people. Um, Running my business now for six years, I've kind of evolved how I communicate with customers because you can't really use a one-size-fits-all. People like to communicate differently, and that's become really apparent during the pandemic. You know, I have some prospects that would prefer to communicate by email because maybe they're on the road and just don't have time to get on the phone. We have a lot of clients that prefer to do Zoom because they need to see you face-to-face in order to feel engaged. So I think it's having those tools at your disposable disposal, but really meeting the person on the other end with how they want to communicate. I think it doesn't hurt to ask the person on the other end in your video to set up a call. Um, and I think you'll you'll find pretty quickly that if they're not a phone person, they would rather start a conversation by email. Um, that'll become really clear. And I think it's it's probably better to frame it that way, you know, to ask for a phone call as opposed to assuming that they're an email person, because I think that type of relationship can go south faster than the other side. You know, I think if you're a phone person, you probably want to jump on the phone as opposed to if you're an email person, you almost don't want to jump on the phone. So I think asking for a phone call first makes sense, but being cognizant of how they want to communicate and being open to, to meeting them in the middle. That is great advice. Just ask and listen. I love it. (laughs) So thank you for all of this awesome information. It was so helpful. I like how you framed it. Can you please tell everyone where they can find you? Sure. Our website is horseshoeco.com and pretty well across the board. That's where you can find us on Instagram. We are horseshoeco on LinkedIn. We are horseshoe and co and my personal information. I'm Andrea Moxham pretty much across the board as well on every platform. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. This was fun. I am very excited to announce the launch of the UnBusiness School, Hashtag Legal's new course offerings. 
In our first round of courses, we have created a series of mini classes on the following topics, business formation, contracts, trademark, copyright, and privacy. Whether you are a creator, a developer, or you own a brick and mortar business, we will be breaking down the topics you need to know that can confuse many business owners. We are here to provide you confidence to make decisions about your business. You no longer have to fear the legal side of your business because you will be empowered to make decisions and will know when to ask for help. For more information, go to school.hashtag-legal.com backslash the unbusiness school. So now everyone knows how to sell. That's right. It is not as horrible as you think it is. It just takes some planning. Don't be scared, everybody. That's exactly right. So I think we should talk about everybody's relationship to sales. I like what we talked about when we introduced this. So tell us whether or not sales make you cheer or cringe or cry, as Mary said. (laughs) (laughs) And if you do not know where to find us, you can find us on Facebook at the Fearless Business Podcast HQ, or you can find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. As always, we love reviews. So wherever you listen, please go ahead and rate and review this podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.